0: Hello and welcome to episode 105 of Inside Agriturf and I'm your host, Chris Biddle. Now for a podcast catering for a farming or farm related industry, the two letters AI might have normally suggested something connected with the procreation of livestock. But as you would have noted in recent times, AI references are now all over the media with countless commentators or experts Having their say on the impact that AI, artificial intelligence, is likely to have good or bad, beneficial or dangerous on all our lives. To try and understand more about AI and its likely future influence on you and your business, I'm delighted to be joined by Wesley Baker. Wesley is a renowned international business entrepreneur who has run companies in the UK and the United States. He is the founder and CEO of Canterbury AI, that's Canterbury in Kent, and its division, Blue Strawberry. And is someone I'm sure can answer my basic and perhaps even dumb questions about this new phenomenon. So Wesley, many thanks for joining me. And perhaps I could start by asking about your background and your current business.
1: Okay, well, uh, I've been in business for well, nearly forty forty years now, and I've run a whole range of companies. Uh, my first business I actually started when I was thirteen, fourteen, and it was a software business. So you know I've got that instinct, and I've done a lot of other things, from launching airlines to travel companies to papery producers, and a whole lot more, even space tech. But I, I've circled around after being CEO of a medical device company, which was in the, just before the pandemic. Uh, And I left there to form Canterbury AI because I saw that's where the trend was going. And something that I had personally uh, an interest in, you could say. So my background really is I've always been high tech. I always say that I'm at the edge of where people struggle for for technology beyond my age. It becomes a bit more of a struggle. So I'm kind of in there. I, I was the first kind of generation coming up through the schools where computers were there. And we were using computers, albeit they were antique to what we have today. But they, they were there. And, and uh, so I have a very clear vision as to the history and the evolution. As to um, your thoughts on AI, let me just jump a little bit for you there. Um, the biggest thing I think is that the, certainly the British culture in particular, has demonized AI. And the rest of the world haven't. And you need to sit back a little bit and think about AI in a really logical way. AI is the biggest thing to happen since the Industrial Revolution. In fact, it's going to be bigger. Now, that ha- there's a lot of social implications for this. There's a lot of things going forward that will change over the next decades as we move forward. Hopefully, um, you and I will both be still alive to see all these things happen. But in theory, it should improve our lives dramatically where we have more lifetime experiences and, and more freedom to do things and, and evolve. AI isn't here to take our jobs everyone thinks it is for every job that ai loses it creates another one so there are always jobs it's just re channel changing that the job roles as as it were so that's the first thing don't be scared of ai and the second thing is you should be aware that ai is probably already in your life in multitude of ways it's on your smartphone it's been on your smartphone for years it's in your cars most cars have ai of some sort of technology in there that's working so that's once you realize that you actually it's already helping you it's already involved in your life then you realize that there, there is a very clear path moving forward as to how it evolves and how you can evolve and be successful using it yourself if i could just on. interject
0: you you mm. you came from the healthcare sector and i do guess yes. that ai has has played and is playing a huge part within healthcare in general
1: yeah, it, it has. And, and where is that going? Well, let me tell you some of the technology I was working on. I have to be careful as to what I tell you. But but, but let me just tell you that, for example, imagine you're going in and you take a test. Now, traditionally, you're relying on the surgeon or the, the doctor to look at that test and analyze what, what illness you have. But AI gives you ability to look at your results, flick through everything, all the other diseases that we know, all the biomarkers are there, and then actually diagnose you very, very quickly compared to a human component that that may miss it you know you go to your doctor sometimes you say well i'm feeling funny and and you keep on going back three or four times and eventually you might get to your illness or you might not ai will remove that straight away another thing is when you look at things like x-rays and scans and everything else the ability for ai to pinpoint other illnesses there and i was very struck with something that uh, happened to me in 2017 i had an eye test now i was involved with biomarkers at the time so uh, biomarker technology Breath biomarker technology, actually, where you could t- diagnose diseases from your breath. Uh, but but the, the optician looked at me and he said, he said, oh, well, you need to go to see a doctor. And I said, why is that? He said, I've seen biomarkers in your eye. And, and he said, I don't know what they AI he said, but I've read a paper on it. Now, I knew what he was on about. Now, he was saying that I had a, had, a, had a potential illness, could have had a cancer, whatever. I, I knew what I had because I'd already been diagnosed with it. So I was already dealing with uh, an issue. Uh, and I knew exactly what it was. But it was interesting that just by looking into your eye, it identified the illness. Now, AI is doing that. And it's doing it at a rapid pace. And it looks and it understands trends and it understands how things work. So you've got machine learning and you've got AI. They work together. Yeah, machine learning is slightly different to AI, but they work together, uh, and effectively, the ability of the health industry to use AI is phenomenal what's coming up, phenomenal. And it will even get down to the point where pharmacies will be able to use technology. I mean I've seen technology in America already that that will change the way we, we are now for, for diagnostics. which and is all just- a good thing.
0: Indeed, Uh, and Wesley, thank you very much for that. I think I caught most of it, but uh, (laughs) it is something that we're using probably unconsciously at the moment. In any case, and uh, I know that you've got a spin-off company out of Canterbury AI, Blue Strawberry, which which is perhaps aimed at at smaller companies, at SMEs, and so on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let me explain to you about Blue Strawberry. Blue Strawberry uh, came about simply through my own desire. To solve a problem. Another was that, you know, I I have a multitude of social media accounts. I write a lot of blogs and I have several businesses, as you know. And the trouble was is every Sunday I was spending the whole of that day processing social media posts, uh, creating content just for the week ahead in order so I could get on with my daily job and not have to worry about the social media. And the whole point of the social media was to drive traffic to the blog posts or drive traffic to the websites of the businesses in order to to increase traffic and and in business to increase your business. So Blue Strawberry originally started as a way of taking existing content from a WordPress website uh, and taking that content and then generating up to 18 months' worth of content for you that you would then look at it chop and change it and do it all so and post it and, and not think about it again so to give you an example if i did one 18 month post at this moment and i used manually went into every single social media account that i have an account with uh, and we at the moment we do twitter facebook linkedin uh, instagram and pinterest but if i went into all of those accounts and built an 18 month campaign and i created it it would take me about two hours 40 two hours 50 minutes to do I can do that. If I cheat and choose not to edit anything, I can do that on my software within 30, 30 seconds, 40 seconds. If I decide to edit it two and a half minutes and then it's done.
0: Yeah. Well, you've just burst a misconception that I've, I've had because I've, I've just been reading uh, your blogs on your uh, website and there was me thinking <laughs> and seeing the dates of them that there were sort of blogs that took five or six minutes to read, probably three, four, five hundred words, and and I imagine you sitting down every day and writing these darn ah things.
1: Yeah, no, 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 don't, don't don't get confused. I did write those blogs. The blogs. Oh, I yeah, did write. I understand okay. that. Yeah, yeah, but the, the actual social media posting of it, uh, that's all that's come what from from yeah the social media posting that goes out so all you see i i go to conferences and it is it is quite hilarious and i have people come up to me and say oh i love that article that you did or i just saw your post And i really have no idea what they're talking about because it's probably something i posted from two years ago that's only just come live now and and uh, i see that all the time i mean i have probably 10 15 posts on each social media uh Platform going out a day at different times because it's not just catering for the UK. I cater for, cater for um, the, the east, the east of the world and the west of the world. So I, you know, I'm, I'm making sure that the Americans. I, I post at certain times, so I schedule the, the the timing. So, for example, LinkedIn goes out a certain time of the day because I want the Americans to read it. Um, Twitter's at certain time because I know when people are looking at Twitter. So I make sure that my my scheduling goes out at, the, at those times. So you know th- that's why we built the software, and then from that the software has evolved, and it's still in beta mode. So it's still you know it's still growing uh, and what we what we found was that we had people that came that, that were vloggers you know the people that just do youtube that's all they do 100% youtube and they came to us and said you know we make our money from the visits to youtube so how do we how do we constantly keep that traffic going and so we said, well, listen, we can listen to your videos, we can create content, the software listens to the videos, it then creates the content from the videos, and then it's up to you how you do that. Uh, and then it posts all this schedule for them. So so again, we, we did that, we had musicians approach us and said, well, we, we want content that's going out that sounds like our songs that has content from our songs. So I said, "Well, we can do that. The software does it. So we we bolted in YouTube Music and Spotify links. So they they earn money from every time someone clicks on one of their music songs on Spotify or Apple Music, and so they want to see traffic coming through. And the way they do it is by promoting on social media. Well, this."
0: this This podcast is is a fairly niche production. No, it's a niche production. It's about an industry that tends to fly under the radar of public awareness too much. Uh, But it's about the guys and girls who who sell and service um, farm machinery for food production uh, and look after Mm -hmm. the stadiums and sports grounds of this country. Uh, And they're pretty well all. SMEs, uh, but in the last uh, podcast I did, we're talking to David Hart, who's the managing director of Kubota UK, uh, the Japanese tractor manufacturer. He brought up the whole question of uh, of AI, which was quite interesting. In uh, well, let's just play it just a moment. Okay. So the the remote piece of it is is definitely the way forward and and also preemptive um, maintenance as well, where, you know, you can use these algorithms now and AI where you see in machines, there's a bit of a theme being created that you're going to have some failures. And rather than wait until it fails right in the middle of harvesting, example, or if it's cutting grass, you can actually do it before they start using the product in the morning. Yes. So that, uh, Wesley, was David talking about preemptive maintenance? In other words, knowing that the machine is going to go wrong uh, before it does, because, okay, in this country, we may well be only a few hours on the dealer from a tractor. Uh, that's broken down but he uh, as he said in the podcast worked in russia and ukraine and it often took a day to reach the actual tractor itself so presumably within that context for manufacturers that's very useful and that will filter down won't it to the dealers and that, that, that look after it in time i guess
1: yes and i think you see the technology first of all the technology is there so, we all know that so the technology exists, it's how it's adopted, and that's the most crucial thing that we have to look at. So, in a situation like that, I would assume that at some stage in the future, it would, it would feed through very easily to the dealers who could actually get in contact with the farmers um, or, or whoever's using the technology and say, listen, that technology is about to fail, or it's on, you need to bring it in for a service, or you have a part that is Wearing And I wouldn't continue to use it for too much longer. That's the capability of it. And that all comes down from what's actually the technology as well, itself. So what's in the chips that, are, that, that we're talking about within that technology as, as to how that feeds back through and reports back. But let's just say that everything is possible. There's nothing that's not, not possible.
0: And again, if we look at the SMEs, the, the dealers, the family companies who are thinking, well, what's this AI going to mean to me? I think there are areas, uh, particularly if they are growing into social media, that and customer service and improving customer engagement, very much areas that you've already said about blog, blogs and so on, but that can feed into, let's say, oh, Logging everybody that's bought a machine from them in the last year, and, and calendarizing if that's a, an email to them to find out how they're getting on with it, and so on.
1: Yes, I mean a, a lot of like some of that stuff is already there because it's basic software. Yeah, so you've got basic software. So the, how, for a small business, AI is going to help is that it's going to t- it's going to reduce the workload substantially, but it's going to improve the quality service that's provided it's going to improve the customer actual experience and it's going to improve the bottom line because you know if you've got a better quality of service you can deal with a customer's query a lot easier and you can deal with your marketing a lot easier you can deal with your finances easier for using ai then you should be using it it's as simple as that and the trouble that we do have at the moment is there's a lot of it being flooded in the market and not all of it is original so in our case as is original but you probably are aware of chat gbt that, that's yes, I've used up. it yeah yeah exactly uh, and there are so in fact i'm about to write an article about that uh, and the commands you can use within chat to get the best out of it um, but there are a lot of companies that popped up that are selling different services that are effectively just using chat and themselves they're just new small businesses that are piggybacking their third party so they haven't actually got their ai themselves but they are out there and and those companies can benefit um particularly niche markets so from my point of view from the sme market uh, particularly the, the suppliers and the customers you're referring to they would benefit Tremendously in a lot of the services out there that are available online using AI to enhance their business, and they should do because it's all about time and effort and making money. I'd rather be sitting having a drink, glass of wine out in the garden than sitting behind uh, a lot of different work to do on the desk, and, and you can save so much time using AI. So,
0: is there a danger, Wesley, that we, we all know how important? personal contact is, uh, particularly in small businesses. Uh, and the problem with so much of AI, let's say chatbots and goodness knows what, is they sound impersonal. They don't have empathy with the person that, that they're talking to. And you can often pick it up from a phone call that you get. Is this a big danger within, within uh, AI? If I, told,
1: if, if I told you some of the AI that I've seen in the last couple of months, I could, stand, I could sit here now talking to you, and it could be actually an AI model and you wouldn't know it was me. And, and you really would not know it's me. I can record my voice now uh, on certain softwares out there. It takes me 15 to 30 minutes. Uh, and there's some other ones that like to listen to you for a couple hours of talking about different things. They can impersonate you so well and answer your questions so well and answer things that you're answering now. In, in my actual way of speaking, that you wouldn't know you weren't talking to me. So there is a danger. You've got to know how to use it, but also at the same time, it can be very, very beneficial um, for your customers. Funny enough, I had a recording from a very big company in the UK sent me a message the other day and left me a voicemail on my my mobile, and I played it to my family, and I said, okay, kids, listen to this. And they said, oh, that's good. And I said, you know, that's AI. And They said, no way. I said, yeah, that's AI. And you wouldn't have known. You really would not have known. They they had a West Country accent.
0: On the uh, podcast editing software I've got, I can do exactly that. Mm-hmm. I could clone my voice. So, uh, and I would use it responsibly because it would only be there if um, I've misspoke and I wanted to just replace a word that I'd said instead of recording it. Um, I don't think I'd go to uh, clone my guests.
1: <laughs> um, I, 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 was just, I was just wondering if you were going to use it perhaps and, and uh, when you're no longer with us, your, your show will still continue. And you were just... <laughs> i shall run my own
0: funeral service don't, be... <laughs> with my no own choice so of funny. music. Um, recorded on there. No, mm. I mean, but apart from that, now it's at the fringe, and, and you know, a lot of people will use it responsibly, won't they? Mostly, we're already mm. here having heeding warnings that there's fake no, no news rather, but there's also mm. fake voices now, uh, which can be yes. used irresponsibly. How, how big a how big an issue is that, or could it be?
1: I think it's a threat, uh, and, I, and it, it does worry me, to be honest, uh, in, in some respects. Um, but like everything, you, ha- you have to put it in, in the scale of what's going on. I think that there are, well, we could open a can of worms. Um, it, it, you know, potentially it could be it, it, on, on a global scale, it could be very dangerous as, as, as we move forward, um, and. I think we we can't shy away from the dangers with that, and we have to put certain security measures into place to ensure that that doesn't happen. I mean, mean, if you remember, not so long ago, you used your voice and everything for bank verification. You see, I mean, you can't do that nowadays because you could have someone literally steal your voice and get into your bank. So uh, there are securities going on with with institutions now that that secure certain elements of it. So there is a danger. There is a danger, and, and going back to your point earlier as well about the customer service thing, I still do believe in, in personal touch as well. Uh, I was in a, a group founder's uh, discussion the other day, and, and they were having trouble getting penetration with emails and everything to customers, and, and I said, you know what? Don't be scared to write someone a letter and put it in the post because you don't get any posts nowadays, and when you receive a letter, yes. it's amazing, yes. and, you, yes. and you take note of that. So I've actually gone back to snail. So out with with some things when I want them to be a little bit special. So, you anyway, know, that's not what we were supposed to be talking about, but I'm just telling no, you No, 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 but
0: it, it's all it's all relevant. Is there going to be or likely to be a global uh, control? I mean, there's bodies across the world that will regulate this, but then, of course, global bodies are global bodies and depends which side of the world they are and so on and what their
1: corporate interests it, it, are. It, it, there, there's already quite a lot of self-governing that's going on. Yeah. From from that point of view, um, and there is protection. Uh, it's not the wild west. Now, the UK government recently kind of painted a picture like it's the wild west uh, for a couple of months, and then then followed up by saying that they were investing in the wild west. So you make that one out. But the, the reality is, it's not the wild west that people think it is. And I think that is the first thing that the companies that are out there that are actually developing AI are, are, are being responsible. The question is, Is are those companies at the top responsible? So, you've got the likes of Elon Musk and everything else. How responsible is he to, to what's going on out there? And the same with Google and Microsoft and Amazon. These are big beasts of companies which, which have turnovers bigger than some countries of the world. So, you know, you have to take that into consideration. I think how can you challenge, how can you control something that is growing naturally? It, it's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and, the West can control their paths. We can control our side, but that doesn't stop other countries in the East. You know, uh, changing things. Uh, you know, Russia's very good at AI. They've got some incredible technology over there, and, and uh, China as well. So I think it's a difficult one. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting next ten years for sure.
0: And a lot of this destructive malware and whatever does actually come from Russia and Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine particularly is, is particularly yeah. adept and got a lot of guy cute guys over there, aren't they? Yeah.
1: We've had a lot of attacks since we started. From uh, particularly uh, when we when we were starting to donate profit to the Ukraine Russian War, uh, we came under attack. Servers and we dealt with it because we were ready for it. But but that was noticeable uh, and that came through. And these are uh, these are AI generated. It's not someone doing a bit of coding. It's it's actually automated, so it's very clever. But we actually use uh, tremendously uh, good software to protect us. We, you're going to probably smile about this. You remember old BlackBerry. Well, BlackBerry is actually, it was always a software company. It went into phones. Well, it's now back to being a software company. BlackBerry is in about 30% of cars, I think, and is in 40% of medical devices. And it's also selling its services to companies like us, and they monitor and and defeat cyber attacks on on our servers. So they're actually working with us. uh, And we use BlackBerry uh, software made by BlackBerry uh, to protect us. So we have Protection, But yes, there is an awful lot of malware going on out there. And th- the key is keeping your, your own personal devices up to date with software protection.
0: And what about here, back here in the UK? Uh, is the UK government supportive of AI development? Uh, uh, is, is it all in par with the rest of the world or...
1: No. I was speaking to a minister and uh, he was smiling away and he said to me, (laughs) he said, oh, where are we sitting? I think it was after uh, the prime minister made an announcement and he said, where are we sitting in the top five? I said, nope. Top 20? I said, we're not even in the top 20, as far as I'm concerned. We've got a lot of startup generative AIs and AI in general companies um, that are trying to make their way, but there's no real government support. They're putting money in a little bit into universities, but they seem to be supporting, honestly now, and I'm talking from a non-political point of view, they seem to be putting money into big big companies, and not supporting the small and medium-sized businesses or the startups, that's really sad to see because we're the ones actually that are, that are generating the, the, the new technology and making things excited. So I would say at this moment the government is big business orientated and is not medium and small business, which affects obviously, you know, everyone's, the majority of people listening to your podcast are small to medium uh, enterprises and yeah. they would be affected by that but that's certainly how i see it at the moment which is a shame i think we're missing out on an opportunity i mean prime example i think uh the government made a, a statement at one point i think it was end of last year uh something about 90 million they were given 90 million for for ai at that time and they said how wonderful that was well compare that to 3 billion from the us and 30 billion from europe being spread apart you know a year. And we had 90 million or 900 million or something like that. It, it's incomparable. You know, if we really want to take on the world, and I sh- think we should because the UK have always led in innovation. We have. But the trouble we've, we've had in the last 30 years in this country is we tend to build companies and sell them on. And it's a mentality issue. They build it up. Oh, let's sell it to America. Let's sell it to the Far East, you know, yeah, rather than actually developing these companies. Cause we, you think about it. We don't really have many large companies left in the UK, not big, big companies because we've sold them all, you know, and that's so, so sad to see. And we could have done it with AI. We could have really built the infrastructure here. We haven't really got any, any major AI centers at the moment. Nowhere yeah. in the UK.
0: Wesley, given your experience in the business world, across the business world, how are you, if I might broaden this slightly, how are you looking at business prospects for the UK in particular at the moment? Uh, We all know we've come out of COVID and the Ukraine war obviously is having an impact across a lot of the world still. Where do you think Mm. we are in, in, in comparison with other nations?
1: Okay. First of all, I'd like to start positive, but I'm going to start, I'm going to start negative and end positive. Okay. Uh, negatively, we're in trouble. I think that we, one, as a nation, we tend to be very negative in our thought patterns sometimes. And we talk ourselves into trouble. The media likes to talk us into trouble. Uh, the biggest problem is funds aren't flowing and they're not flowing in from small, small business entrepreneurs, uh, and not receiving funds from business angels like they used to. Um, Venture capitalists not investing in the smaller companies that need the money in order to grow. The backbone of this country relies on small business, and that is not seen easy flow of funds at the moment and if that is unable to grow their businesses uh, and expand then then we're in trouble and that's where we are now uh, i spoke to a venture fund uh, manager in london um, only three weeks ago and i said to him what is going on and he said he's been in, in venture capitalist for 50 years and he'd never seen anything like it he said traditionally he said we follow the americans or we follow the european union he said we're not following either he said we're, we're in we're in the Wild west of doing nothing I said, well, what's happening in your VC? He said, nothing. He said, we're not investing in anything. I said, but that's not logical. He said, now's the time to invest. He said, yes. He said, but very few are. Now, on a positive light, I've also spoken to some people that are saying, this is the time to invest. Let's get investing. Let's get out there. Uh, And there's other people like me that are pushing the boundaries and saying, let's move forward. Let's try to push it forward. Let's try to drive ourselves forward. But let's give you an idea on my company. So when I launched this company, I expected it to be aimed at the British Market, ninety-two uh, percent of our customers are North American, six percent are French, and and that just shows you what's going on. So you know the French market has been really exciting for us. We went multilingual. We went French, Spanish, German, Hindi, and English. And, uh, but we weren't intending to market into those foreign markets at that point, at, at, at this moment. It wasn't our intention, but the French market just came to us and said, you know, we, we really like your product. And because it was a translatable product, they, they've gone for it and they, and they enjoy it. So overall, I think we'll come out of it. I'm worried as to how long it's going to take. I'm a positive person. I might sound negative in this podcast, but I'm actually extremely upbeat and positive. And I think that we can push our way through it. We just all have to get together and really, Put a buzz about it. I think people should get excited because I do think we've got an exciting future ahead. But I think being out of the EU, it hasn't worked. It doesn't matter what way you look at it, because it hasn't worked, and it's been a it's been a negative effect on the business world. Covid just added to it. I think, and I think what's happened is COVID's happened. COVID's gone. Now we're seeing Brexit. That's what we're seeing. Now we're seeing Brexit. We're not seeing COVID now. We're seeing the Brexit result, and and that's how I'm seeing it. And I was, uh, I remember the institute of directors and a number of small business groups as well, and they're all saying the same thing. Certainly here in Kent, anyway, Kent and London, they're all saying, "Look, it's Brexit that's causing the problems for us now, and we're struggling." I'd love to give you a positive on that, but uh, you know, but everyone does also say that they see a future but they just don't know where we're going. We just don't have the direction where we're going. You know, we haven't got someone sort of saying, this is where we're going to be in 10 years. Let's get there. Let's do this. Let's invest in that. We haven't got that. It seems to be we're going from month to month as to what we want to do. And it's just (sighs) illogical. in, in, in a way,
0: then, Wesley, sort of linking back to the AI theme and doing business abroad, presumably AI has given, the, given you the tools or given companies the tools to be able to communicate in, in different languages very easily now because a lot of the uh, chat, a lot of the GPT, I don't say it properly, uh, you have yeah, a choice yeah. of languages that you can use and, uh, in written word and also in spoken word. So, presumably, that is a real benefit for those who want to comu- communicate abroad
1: indeed you know and and, and we i've certainly we've found a real po- positive in, in going to international markets so there's no reason why a british company cannot market it into, into overseas markets there's enough tools now available to every company to uh, to be able to translate into overseas markets easily and it doesn't just have to be in 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 a foreign language it, it can also, be in English. There's plenty. English is international language; it's spoken the world over. But if you want to be successful in particular markets, you know it is polite to use their own language, and, okay. and I think that's that's where you get success.
0: In, indeed, and sort of just picking up on the general uh, state of business in this country, um, just wondered at one of the reasons or some of the reasons why we're not. You said about investment, but is there a- issue of culture amongst the people running businesses that that perhaps are holding us back
1: yes um I have to be really careful here. I could get a lot of enemies, but yes, I, but yes, I, I I, I, yes there, is. There, there There is. I, I'm I'm very fortunate that I've lived and worked, you know, overseas a lot. So I've seen both European and I've seen North America, and the North Americans very really up in your face and get things done. We seem to be a lot slower and uh, vintage was like was was a good way to put it. The old boys club type atmosphere. Um, it, we need to be far more energetic and far more open to opportunities to do business and how to do it. We shouldn't be scared of new technologies. We should grasp it and, and enjoy it and use it. And I think with the general feeling that you said is how, how as a business are we, are we moving forward as a country within small businesses? I think are months the multiple fundamental problems that need to be resolved and quickly but that, that can only come from leadership I'm afraid it can only come from governments down it has to come from there has to be a buzz look I'm not going to get into politics because that's not it's not the correct thing to do but do you remember when Tony Blair came into power in 1997 there was an upbeat buzz it was a change we'd had all this rundown, and and Tony Blair came in and like him or at the end of the day there was a real buzz about the country for four or five years, and we couldn't do anything wrong. Everything was going well, the economy was going well, the money, everyone everyone had money. We need that type of buzz again, whether we've got it in any of the opposition parties, I don't know. But at the end of the day, that's what we need. We need something to drive us forward. And I think when it starts at the top, it filters through very quickly. If investors feel happy, and it is crucial, I go back to investors, because investors are the key to how we move forward. Companies need money to be able to grow, otherwise we stagnate. And the country is stagnating at this point. In fact, we're contracting, I would say.
0: Yeah. And talking about S- SMEs generally, uh, it's my experience. There's a heck of a lot of positivity and entrepreneurship within small companies in this country. But, of course, um, individually, they're great um, as long as they can mobilize that. But, but it seems to, yes. seems to fall down when it gets into government circles or official circles or, or whatever. But I know some extremely uh, successful and go-getting com- small companies who are who are really doing well at the moment.
1: Yes, uh, and as I say, there is a positive, so I don't want to be negative at all about all this because there is some real good positives uh, that are going on. Uh, I belong to a couple entrepreneurial groups that I've been introduced to over the last uh, uh, 12 months, and I have to say it has been fantastic. The the energy in the groups uh, between us is something that I'm I'm used to in America, and that's been positive. And do you know what's the really interesting thing about It's that these entrepreneurs, they're not young. They're all sort of 40s upwards, And that is really inspiring. And that is something I wrote an article about it not so long ago, actually, uh, about how the uh, mature entrepreneur is pushing forward. Uh, And it is exciting to see. Uh, We're getting school leavers come out with great ideas, and they are fantastic. Uh, My daughter, she's uh, studying or she's studied. She's got a master's in infectious diseases way before all this pandemic started, so she was in the right sector. But she's actually started her own business. She had nothing to do with infectious diseases because she's female and found it hard in science to, to move on to a PhD. But the reality is that she has started her own business and, and she's doing well from it, you know. And that's exciting to see. So there is energy out there. That it, it, but like you say, it gets lost at governmental level. It gets lost at council lef- uh, level, you know, in your county councils. It's lost there. And I think it's because they don't quite know how to work with us. And I think that is it. They're scared. They're scared of it, and they don't know quite how to do it. And a lot of the time, it's these people have never actually been in business themselves.
0: I've really enjoyed this chat, and we strayed a little bit from AI, but actually it's all connected in a way because it's all to do with business. If I might sort of come back to you and, and, and your Uh, journey through business. Was there a a mentor that you had originally that uh, drove you in the right direction and who, indeed, might be your business hero today?
1: Oh, well, yes, there were a couple, actually. Uh, The first one, I I suppose, uh, Sir Freddie Laker. I remember drawing in my classroom planes and putting because my surname's Baker and it sounds like they could put in Baker Airways on my plane and uh, I've got in my office here now actually uh, a book by Freddie Laker but another one was Victor Kayan the man who bought the company I bought Remington Um, these two really inspired my young entrepreneurial journey and I remember do you know what actually just diversifying a bit I I found over the weekend my results for my schoolwork and uh I scored very low on business studies and commerce. And the comments were, you'll never make it in business. And I've been highly <laughs> successful. And I thought that just shows you that education means nothing. Uh, well, it doesn't mean something, but you know, you, you can't be taken by it. But coming back, so modern wise, it's difficult because a couple of them I've actually clashed with. I, I've had Sir Richard Branson and I have, have Uh, our businesses probably have crossed over some ideas have been similar um there's elon musk he was fiddling around with space when i was fiddling around with space stuff so that that's very interesting i do like listening to elon musk talk uh and some of the stuff he does on youtube in particular with a couple of uh youtube channels that have been fortunate to get individual interviews with him talking about spacex which is really inspiring so those people i guess i don't look up to but I respect and and I like to listen to them uh and, and I was listening to an audiobook by uh Sir Richard Branson and I, I was in the in the bath and my my wife could hear me laughing and I came out and I said I've just listened to his book I said that's confirmed it. I'm the poor man for Richard Branson. Everything he's done and said, I've been doing, but he's got the billions and I've ended up with not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but uh, it, it's, it's funny.
0: And <laughs> um, when you get out of the bath and maybe on the bathroom door, is, is there a motto or a saying that um, kind of guides you yes. or guides you towards yes. uh, what you're aiming to achieve, Wesley?
1: Yes, I do. I have a very good saying, uh, and it's an old Catalan saying that I that I came across when I was 12 years of age, and I carry it with me everywhere. And it's, a wise man says what a wise man does, but a wise man does what a wise man says. I assume it's Catalan. That's where I first saw it anyway, and that I've stuck by. You have to think about it to understand it, but uh, it it certainly uh, is something that uh, has directed me consistently through my career and even does now. And I share that saying, I've got a young 18-year-old, men, someone I'm mentoring now, who's appeared on Dragon's Den and everything else, and, and he was, someone suggested I mentor him a little bit, and I've been mentoring him. And I told him that saying the other day, actually. Oh, I said, brilliant. use that and carry that through your life because it will make a difference.
0: Well, Wisley, we've covered a lot of ground. And um, sorry, we strayed at times, but it's absolutely, absolutely fascinating. Um, for people of my age your age perhaps who grow up mm. the internet was only there in 1988 and we've, we've had to adapt and learn and goodness knows what well i find it fascinating and i think really you can never stop learning and whatever age you are
1: 1994 was my first time on it and yeah. i actually ran a a.com and based in california
0: yeah yeah That's great. And could I thank you once again? It's been an absolute blast. I uh, I really learnt a lot and uh, absolutely fascinating. So, Wesley, thank you very much indeed for joining me.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: Now to tackle a subject that Wesley described as the greatest advancement since the Industrial Revolution in a short podcast is rather like trying to count the grains of sand on your local beach. It's massive. It's growing and is already impacting on our daily lives. But Wesley removed some of the mystique and misconceptions in language we could all understand. The links to Wesley's company, Canterbury AI, and his website are on the show notes to this episode. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Chris Biddle, and this is Inside Agriturf.